You are listening to the Father's House podcast located in Owensboro, Kentucky. For more information, visit thefathershouseky.com. Good morning. Come on, isn't the Lord good? Hallelujah. What a day to celebrate. It's an awesome day to celebrate in the house of the Lord. How many of you are happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Come on. Come on, aren't you glad you didn't stay home? Aren't you glad that maybe some of you were like, man, I thought about not coming, man, I thought about not being there, man, maybe it was a last-minute decision. Aren't you glad you came, amen? I don't know about you, but I, I never, ever, ever regret coming to the house of the Lord, ever in my life. It's always been something the enemy has always tried to, to get out of the church, is to just stay home, right? You can just stay in your living room. We're going to talk about some things today. So I'm glad I'm talking about this um, today, the topic the Lord has given me. Um, I just want to honor our kids again. I just want to honor my my cousin Cody Gray up in here, my my brother right here. Come on, Cody. Give it up for my friend Cody. I ain't seen him in a while. Glad to have him here. We we go way back to actually, well, to Children's Church, I think. And I think his family actually grew up in this church. It's an honor to have you here, brother. It really is. Whew. Made me emotional. Jesus. Jesus is so good. He's so, so good. So good. Good to have my my friends of sinners, guys in the house. Come on, give it up for them. Hallelujah. Come on, we can do better than that. Come on. Amen. Amen. And good to have all my Father's House people already here in the house. Give it up for yourself. (laughs) <laughs> Come on, Jesus. Man, okay, so if you're new here, like I said earlier, please fill out a connection card. If you want to get involved, let me say it like this. You should get involved. You should join the church. And if you fill out that connection card, sign up for the journey. It is coming up in July, pretty sure. First two weeks of July. July 6th and 13th. If you want to get involved, you want to plug into our church, please come. Here's the thing about the journey. There's no strings attached. If you go through the journey and you decide, hey, I don't want to be a part of this church, that is completely fine. But that is your real next step to figure out who we are and to try to um, get you into some areas and some things that you're interested in serving. And we just want to come alongside you to help you serve and walk out the things that God has gifted you to do. How many of you know that everybody in this room has a gift and a talent and it belongs to the Lord? Amen? Amen. So... And it's not children's ministry for everybody. Somebody say amen. Amen. All right. For some people it is. Um, So, here we go. Let me open this up a little bit here. Uh, Two of my main scriptures today will be Ephesians 6, 11, and 12, and 2 Corinthians 2, 11. If you want to mark those down, write them down. You can read them throughout the week, whatever you want to do. So as I was preparing about this week, I felt the Lord um, just start to really and put on my heart this topic of, of knowing. It's so perfect, really, because going out of youth ministry, y'all just went to youth camp, right? I've been to youth camp as a, as a youth pastor. I never went as a child. I, I commend all of you teenagers for actually going. I was that kid that you couldn't convince me to go to youth camp. There was no, there was like no one even tried, really. There was no way to get me to go to youth camp. By, the, by 12 or 13, I was already smoking weed, definitely not going to youth camp. But I commend all of you young people for being bold and at least having the courage to go to youth camp and continue going. I, I love what happens at youth camp, but the reality is we go there, we get on fire for Jesus, we, we, we get excited about Jesus, and then we come back, and then sometimes it seems like we, oh, we have all these problems start to 
happen. When I go to the jail, the same thing happens. I, these guys are like, man, every time I try to get close to Jesus, things start to like get shaky in my life. And I'd like to tell you this morning, it's because there is a battle going on, there is a war going on, and there's two kingdoms that are, that are literally out to, there's one, the kingdom of light, and then there's one, the kingdom of darkness, and the kingdom of darkness is trying to push against the kingdom of light, and today I want to tell you, it's time for the kingdom of light to start to push against the kingdom of darkness, because the devil is working, and he's continuing to work, so the goal of today is not to just talk about what the devil is doing, the goal of today is to make you aware of some of the devil's strategies, stay strategy, to make you aware of some of his strategies to take you out and to get you to lose maybe everything you got at camp and to get you to lose it and walk away from it. The devil has many strategies. So over these next few weeks, the title of my message, if you were to title, it would be Know Your Enemy. Say, know your enemy. How many of you parents want your children to know their enemy? They, they, I'm not talking about be friends with him. I'm talking about know his strategy, know his tactics, so you cannot be aware or unaware of what he's trying to do. And let me give you some scripture for it that's really good. 2 Corinthians 2.11. It says, in order that Satan might not outwit us. Here we go, my favorite part. For we are not unaware of his schemes. For we are not unaware of his schemes. The goal is that the pastor's job really is to equip the saints so you can do the work of the ministry. And for the next few weeks, I want to equip you not to be unaware of his schemes. That you won't just be oblivious to what he's trying to do and you will know how to fight against the right enemy. How many of you know your spouse is not your enemy? Your two-year-old is not your enemy. Right? Even though it doesn't seem like it sometimes. She, I don't know what's wrong. My little Elena, every now and then, now she's shushing me for some reason. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Right? And she's like, daddy, daddy, daddy. Shh. I'm like, what? I'm like, where did you get this from? She needs to get, she needs to get saved still. But, but I got to be like, this two-year-old is not my enemy. You know, this two-year-old, my spouse, when we're not getting along, she's not my enemy. Man, your brother and sister in Christ are not your enemy. Let me give you some scripture for it. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can what? Take your stand against the devil's schemes. Right? The devil's schemes, right? So put on the armor of God. Why? Because the devil has a strategy. The devil has a scheme that he wants to try to pick you apart, and he has a plan for you. You know, people say, God's got a plan for your life. He does, but the devil also has a strategy. Right? And we need to be aware of some of those things that he uses against us and not blindly walk in them. Let me say it like this. At this church, we say things like this. If it's from Jesus, we want it. Hopefully nobody raised their hands here in a moment. But if it's from the devil, how many of you want it? Do you see what I'm saying? How many of you would say, man, if the devil's handing out stuff, I'm going to sign up. Not one of us. So we need to be aware that, yes, we want everything that comes from Christ, but we also need to make sure that we're not receiving things passively or unaware of things from the devil. Does that make sense? All right, here we go. Verse 12 in Ephesians 6 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
the, 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 the struggle, the fight, guys, is not Democrat and Republican. It's not white or black. It's not this side of town or that side of town. The struggle is actually a spiritual thing that's happening that we cannot see. There is an enemy who wants babies to be murdered. <laughs> There is an enemy who wants kids to be on drugs. There's an enemy who wants people to kill each other. There is an enemy. And people are being influenced by this enemy. Man, I, I, I got to be real careful not to just take a praise break right now for what happened with Roe versus Wade. I praise the Lord for what has happened. And maybe if you, I'm just going to tell you, if you're, if you're being too quiet about it, you probably need to be a little louder about it. Because God has never been a part of that and never will be. And I'm not being political. I'm talking about the moral law of protecting unborn children. All right? Man, oh man. This is something. I mean, I cried sitting there that day thinking, man, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. My goodness. And man, I can, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to be quiet. Move on, pastor. All right, here we go. 1 Peter 5.8 says this. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Somebody say, watch out. Your adversary. Who is your adversary? It's going to tell you who it is. Your enemy. Your adversary is who? The devil. It's not your mother-in-law. <laughs> it's not your father-in-law. It's not your sister. Come on, somebody. It's not that sister that you always had problems with since you were little. It's not that brother that, that hurt you when you were a kid. It's not them. Your adversary is him. Yep. You have one enemy, okay? Young people, your adversary is not your parents. Well, they won't let me do anything. Well, praise God, you have good parents. I used to think my mom was lame because she wouldn't let me, uh, she wouldn't let me drink in high school. Oh, what a terrible mom. <laughs> I'm like, Mom, my other friends, they, their parents let them do it. You know, their parents, and this whole time looking back, I'm like, man, I actually had a good mom. <laughs> my Lord. And the young people, man, they won't let me do... If you're not allowed to go to somebody's house, young people, if your parents won't let you hang out with certain people, it's because they're good parents. Oh, I got to keep going on. And if you're allowing your kids to go to any, just anyone's house, you need to refocus your parenting. You need to refocus. Let me just put this out there for just a moment. I, I did drugs at my friends' houses, their parents' drugs, or their older siblings' drugs same she said preach parents don't be unaware of the devil's schemes all right there's a bunch of them so the devil is a schemer let's pray real quick let's make this more spiritual heavenly father lord i love you i pray your holy spirit would come and just indwell on this place lord i thank you for what you've already done during worship this morning Father, I thank you for your people. They're here. They're expectant. God, I thank you that you have shifted the atmosphere in our church. There's a hunger arising. There's an expectation arising in this house, Lord. Father, I pray that you give your people ears to hear and eyes to see. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. So the devil is a schemer. Somebody say a schemer. schemer. So the, the definition of a scheme, if you look at the in the dictionary, so it says, don't be aware of his schemes. So what is a scheme? It's a plan of action, an elaborate, systematic plan for a course of action designed to achieve a major or overall aim. Let me put it this way. The devil has a scheme and his goal is to do what? His goal is to get you to leave Christ, be discouraged, go back to your old life, get rid of everything that happened in camp. He has a scheme. He has a master plan going on. Another definition says this. It is a strategy 
the art of planning and directing overall military operations and movements in a war or battle. So the devil understands there's a war going on while the church is unaware there's a war going on. And the church needs to get back on the offense instead of the defense. The church is, I may hear so many people all the time, man, the devil's just out to get me, man, the devil's just doing this. My goodness, we are called, what does it say? The violent will take it by force. We are called to invade the darkness, not be afraid of. We're called to invade these things. We're supposed to talk about these hard subjects with boldness in the Bible. Listen, if it's in the Bible, guys, we're going to talk about it. Whether it's about abortion, whether it's about homosexuality, whether it's about gossip, whether it's about gluttony, whether it's about pride, whether it's about whatever it may be. We, we need to be consistent in the church that we're not pointing out certain sins and walking in other sins. Yeah. I've been working on my health for years now. And I'm continuing to work on my health because someone could come to me and say, Mike, your, your body's supposed to be a temple and you're just as addicted to sugar and anything else as someone who's addicted to drugs. We don't talk about these things. We need to though, amen? We will. All right, here we go. So it's a synonym for a strategy, a scheme. It's his project. It's his plan of action. It's his strategy. It's his tactic. It's a game plan. It's a master plan. So Satan has strategy to take you out and destroy the church. He has strategy. But here's the good news. Right? The good news is that the only one who can destroy a church, or not destroy is probably the wrong way to put it, but the only one who can make a church in a sense go away or lose its power is up to the people. Because in Revelation, God says, I will remove my lampstand from the church. The devil cannot take over the church. We know that because Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. We know he cannot overtake us. He cannot overpower us. But he can have a strategy and schemes and allow us to give it up. And then God steps in and says, okay, they're too, they're too mature. They're, they're walking backwards. They're allowing witchcraft in the church. They're walking in sin. He says, I will remove my lampstand from that place. The devil can't come in and take over this place, church. He cannot. But God can allow us to go our own way and listen to the wrong voice. Somebody say, not me. So if you played sports in high school, or if you ever watched professional sports, you ever study, if you want to be really, really good at sports, if you remember Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, what they would do is what? They would watch film. Some of these best players that ever played the game, some of the best coaches who would ever coach the game, they would spend countless hours and finances on doing what? Studying their opponent. They will study their opponent. They will watch them every day and night. Even these high school players, one, go look up anybody that's truly successful in sports and they are students of the film. They are students of, man, how is the other play? How is this quarterback going to react? What plays do they call? What are they going to run? How are they going to run this defense? It's why? So they can pick them apart and win the game. So there's this, this strategy. Our strategy is to what? To not be unaware of his schemes. To be very aware when he comes and he tries to give me something that I don't want. That I'm not unaware of these things. And I reject what he's trying to give me. Amen? And we're going to talk about for the next few weeks a lot of different schemes or strategies that the enemy tries to do in our lives and in the church. And we're going to talk about God's answer to these things. Amen? So one of the main goals of the devil is to disarm the church. He wants the church to be ineffective. And one of his best ways to do that, what I'm talking about today, is offense. Somebody say offense. 
offended. Proverbs 18, 19, if we could put this up. Look at the scripture. Look how powerful this is. A brother. That's someone in Christ. That's one of us, right? A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city. And a core and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. Let me put it like this. It is really, really hard to win back an offended person. One of the biggest schemes of the enemy is offense. He wants you to be offended by everything. Let me keep going on a little bit. So it's one of his oldest tricks that he's been doing forever, right? You saw it with Cain and Abel. Right? He got offended at his brother, kills his brother. You see him with Joseph and his brothers. Joseph tells his brothers about the dream he's going to have, and he shouldn't have done that probably. And then they go and they get offended, and they go to kill him and throw him in a hole, right? Then they sell him as a slave. We've seen it with the Israelites. What happens? God takes them out of Egypt. They get through the Red Sea, then they're like, oh, there's not enough graves. Oh, they start getting offended. They start complaining. They get offended. Well, isn't there, isn't there enough graves in Egypt? Why would you bring us out to the desert to die? Then they start going backwards and serving a different God. They literally start falling apart. Why? How did this, they got offended. What are we doing in the desert? What are we doing? We don't have any food. What's going on? They, they lost their faith and started picking up offense. This is nothing new. The devil's, let's just say it like this. His tricks, his oldest tricks still work just as good. He doesn't have to come up with new, new ways to... To, to, to try to get to the church. He brings offense. You see this with Moses. He gets offended with the people. He gets offended and hits a rock. You see this with King Saul and King David. God anoints King David. They used to sing songs and they would say, man, Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his ten thousands. What did Saul do? Got offended. Instead of what? Having an opportunity to celebrate his brother. He got offended because his brother was being celebrated. Insecurity will always lead to offense. You have to be rooted and grounded. That at this church, we are the Father's house. We are sons and daughters rooted in family. You have to be so rooted that, man, you have to be so rooted in that you are completely loved, completely accepted, and completely anointed for and called for what exactly God has called you to do. And it's going to be different, and that's a good thing. It's going to be different than your sister. It's going to be different than your brother. And we all have a place in the Father's house. All of us. But this offense comes in with Saul. What does Saul do? Saul tries to kill David. He throws a spear at him. If you want to read a really, really, really good book about offense, there's a few of them. The Bait of Satan is probably the greatest one. And then the other one, I would, it's called A Tale of Three Kings. It's about being hurt by people or a pastor and people in ministry, people over you, whatever it may be. I encourage you. If you've been hurt by a pastor, hurt by a church, read that book, A Tale of Three Kings. It's an awesome, awesome story. So we fast forward a little bit to the Pharisees with Jesus. What did they do? They got offended by Jesus because he would say things basically like, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And they're like, oh my goodness, this guy claims to be God. So they got offended. And what did offense do? Offense blinded them to seeing what Jesus was actually doing. Offense, let me say it like this. Offense blinded them to see what actually Yahweh was doing. The God they served, the God they adored, the God that they they wanted to please. Offense blinded them from literally not seeing Jesus in front of them. Offense will blind you from the move of God. Offense will blind you from not seeing the best in people. Matthew eleven six 6 says, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. That's Jesus speaking. Could it be that people get offended by something that actually Jesus is doing? 
Why would he say that? Hey, guys, blessed is the one who doesn't get offended by me. Just like God came in to the Old Testament times. This, the Bible says that Jesus became, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God came in and He started to shift their whole reality. He started to move from Old Covenant to New Covenant. He started to show them a completely new way. And what did they do? They got offended. Let me tell you what the Lord is doing in this hour. He's coming in and He's getting rid of religion. And He's getting rid of nonsense. He's getting rid of traditions that have no meaning and no power. And He's trying to shift things. And He's saying, are you going to be offended by me? Do you see what I'm saying? Well, I, I don't like these songs. Are you? Man, I don't know about you, but I saw, I saw four or five teenagers up here lifting their hands and shouting Jesus to those songs. You might connect with God in maybe a, a different way with blessed assurance, but God is in no way okay with you being offended by the different songs. Because our, our younger people, we're all, they're all looking up there trying to learn blessed assurance. But if their hearts are pure, man, those words in that song are incredible. I love those words. It's amazing. I love that stuff. But I have an opportunity to sit here and say, man, am I going to be offended by something Jesus is doing? Because the reality is some of you connected in a deeper way when we sang that song in this room. But the thing that can keep you from connecting to something Jesus is doing is offense. Do not let offense come in. You know why? Because offense, you know what it does? It disrupts unity in the church. It disrupts unity in this service. As soon as half the church closes off because of offense, and their unity's gone out the window. Did you know how strong, how many of you want to see God move? How many of you want to see revival? How many of you want to see another Pentecost come, a daily Pentecost? I'm here to tell you, it says in Acts chapter 2, they were all gathered in one place, in one accord. They were all in unity. There was people with 10 different languages, 10 different backgrounds, but they came and they were united because of one thing. They wanted to see God come down in power and the nations know Jesus. This has to be the main focus. We got to put aside all the nonsense and be aware that the enemy is trying to give you some things. And I would say like this, don't pick them up. <laughs> be like, oh, okay, this offense is coming. No thanks. I know that's from the enemy. I don't want it. I love to think of things very black and white, church. I like to think of it very kind of just, if it's from the devil, why would I take it? You see what I'm saying? If I know it's from him, why would I take it? Jesus promised us. Oh, you look, I'm sorry, one more thing. You see uh, Judas, right? Judas is there and he, he's mad because they pour out all the perfume and the oil. And he's saying, man, we could have given that to the poor. Do not let offense come in about the ministries at the church. Well, why are we doing so much for shepherd's hand? Or why don't we help refugees? Stop letting offense come in and be excited for what God is doing. Why are we pouring out all this perfume on his feet? We could have done this with this. Stop letting offense come in and ruin unity. Because the enemy's there with strategy to come in and get us offended. Young people, the enemy wants you to be offended at the youth leaders, be offended at Pastor Daryl, to look at every little thing that he could be doing wrong or when he has a bad attitude or whatever and just start to say, oh, no, 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 I'm offended now. And then guess what happens? You stop receiving from God through him. That offense will come in and literally build a fence. It will build a fence. 
And then little do you know, you will actually be shutting out, in some cases, the voice of the Lord through people because you're isolating yourself from people because of offense. Woo! Come on, Lord. So here, here, here's, here's what's good about Jesus. How many of you, we love the promises of God. How many of you love the promises of God? Let me give you one. Luke 17, verse 1. Jesus says to his disciples, stumbling blocks or temptations or offenses, they are sure to come. <laughs> Think about that. That's a promise, right? Did you know that? They are sure to come, but whoa, judgment is coming to him through whom they come. So Jesus promised us that offenses will come. How many of you know it is impossible for people not to do things to offend you the rest of your life? That's just reality. Jesus even told us, hey guys, this stuff is going to come, right? And that word he uses for stumbling blocks or offenses is this, is this a Greek word, scandaladon. I don't know how to say it. Where's my Greek people at? I'm not Greek. And it means bait. Somebody say bait. And it literally means the bait that is set in a trap. How many of you ever trapped an animal before? Listen, we've got some birds that get in this place sometime. We've had some bird traps in this building. I've seen some crazy stuff. I think we had a squirrel trap in here one day or a cat. Actually, we had a cat trap in here one day. We, have, we found, he called me and said, there's a cat in the building. I said, what? Are you serious? There was a cat on the other side of the building. I was like, what is going on? Luckily, we found what was coming up. But anyways, there was a little bait we put in there. It would lure the animal into the cage to get them to see that bait. Because a lot of times, you can think that when you're taking offense, that you're actually, here, here, how about this? Because you're in the right, and the other person actually is in the wrong, then you think you have the right to take offense. You think you have the right to take offense. Well, they did me wrong. Man, imagine if Jesus thought that way. If he said, nope, I'm going to hold on to what I have to give because people keep treating me wrongly. I'm not saying you open up to every single person that comes that you shake hands with. But I'm saying don't let that offense keep you. Jesus is promising, hey guys, offenses will come. But you have, in marriage we learn this thing, um, it says my response is my responsibility. You cannot control people who are going to offend you. You cannot control people who are going to come against you. People who are going to lie about you. People who are going to talk about you. People who are going to just straight up come at you. You cannot control that. But what you can control is what you do with that offense. You cannot control it. Man. Am I saying up here this morning that this is the easy thing to do? No. Any of the things the devil is trying to tempt us with is stuff that we have to learn to battle through. We have to learn to walk through, whether it be temptation or whatever it may be. But your response is your responsibility. For too long, we have held on to offense, and then we just blame it because we were mistreated. But what did Jesus do? Hanging on a cross, naked, bloody, sitting there, literally dying. What did he say? For God, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they've done. He didn't say, man, this sucks. I changed my mind. They do not deserve this. Mike is going to keep doing drugs for years. (laughs) And some people, Father, are never going to accept my payment. Some people, God, are never going to come to me. They're always going to talk about me. They're always going to be against me. But Jesus said, this is how much I love those people. It was unconditional. It was an unconditional love. And I'm telling you this morning that the, 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 the thing that we have, the weapon of our warfare this morning to fight offense is unconditional love. Yeah. 
It's unconditional love. It's loving without conditions. It's loving, 1 Corinthians 13, where it says, loving without selfish ambition. I'm not doing this to receive anything. I'm giving of myself completely like Jesus did. I'm not saying this is easy, and let me dare to say this. You can only live like this through the power of the Holy Spirit and Christ in you. You can only let things go. You can only walk in this place of not being offended. Man, offense leads to bitterness, leads to unforgiveness. We'll talk about that next week. You've got to be careful when you, what you're going to do with offense that comes in, especially, guys, towards unity, towards leaders, towards pastors. I remember... I want to honor my, my old pastor, Pastor Chris. Um, he's actually going to come and preach for me on my five-year anniversary here in November. It's going to be awesome. I feel like the Lord told me to have him come in. If he's watching, I love you, buddy. But there was a season while I was under him as a youth pastor that I just used to watch, and I would see the things that he did wrong. I would see the, the little things where he would fall short. I would see how he would not maybe do everything right, in my opinion. And then I'm telling you, one of the biggest tactics of the enemy, you ready, is self-righteousness. When you, let me, listen, God wants to, if something lands on you today, let God take it from you. It's not to sit there. And I remember, I'm talking about myself this morning, okay? And I was sitting there, I was a youth pastor, and I was just like, man, I just compare myself to, didn't realize that I just noticed all the stuff that he did that I didn't do. And maybe in a greater measure or whatever. I was just like, I just pick. I found myself just like picking him apart and, and internally and just, and it was just wasn't healthy at all. And I found myself just walking in this self-righteousness. If, if you think, if you compare yourself to others and you're thinking, well, I'm not doing all those bad things they're doing. I'm, my bad things are not as bad as theirs. That's the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee. Oh God, thank you that I'm not like the tax collector. And let me put it this way. Man, I got, I thank you. I thank you right now. I got problems, but I ain't as bad as my sister is. <laughs> I sure ain't as bad as that girl over there. You know what I mean? One of the biggest things that leads to offense is being critical. And people will criticize things they don't understand. Yeah, that's, right. that's why people are oh, against tongues. They don't understand. They don't understand. Against offerings in churches, they don't understand. They will criticize things they do not understand. And, and criticalness, this can be one of my things that I struggle with, being at churches, being at services, whatever. And we can try to call it discernment all we want. Nine times out of ten, it's critical. Because if it, you know how you can know the difference? Because it turns off your connection with the Lord in the moment. Yeah. None of this is even prepared this morning. I feel that in my spirit strongly. God is not asking all of us to come and judge everything. Amen. So good. Watch out for criticalness that will come in and have you walking in self-righteousness. And those things will, those things will also lead you down the, that one, the next thing you know, you're walking right in the devil's schemes. You're, you're right in his strategy. You know why? Because unity is screwed up again. And I remember I went and apologized to my pastor. I said, man, I've been thinking about you wrongly. Da, 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 da. The Lord confronted me in it. 
and uh, and just showed me like, man, Mike, you're just being self-righteous. I was like, dang. So offense can lead to so many other things that are not good for us. And we don't want those things. So offense leads to the second thing, and then I'll be done. Offense leads to so many things, but offense will lead to isolation. Somebody say isolation. One of the biggest enemy schemes is isolation. During COVID, during quarantine, people are like, oh my gosh, we got to stay home. Oh my gosh, we got to stay safe. But you know what I saw as a pastor during quarantine? I saw marriages be destroyed. I saw people relapse on drugs. I saw people who actually really don't come to play church. Their lives start to fall apart. Isolating yourself because of offense is a terrible way to get through anything. And let me give you some scriptures this morning. So isolation, don't, young people, whoever people, don't stop going to youth. Don't stop going to youth leaders. Don't stop coming to church. Don't, don't stop going to small groups. We need these things. Don't just go be alone by yourself because isolation is the breeding ground for deception. And let me give you some scriptures that will back it up. So here's some things. Genesis 2.18 says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. It is not good. I will make it a helper suitable for him. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. Two people are better off than one, for they can what? Help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Man. Do you know these are also promises, basically? It's saying if you isolate, you're going to be in trouble. And when you're in trouble, you're not going to have anybody to help you. It's not the thing to do. Proverbs 18.1 says, one who, one who has isolated himself seeks his own desires. He rejects all sound judgment. Look at that. I know it's quiet in here. You know why we're so excited about Freedom Ministries? You know why we're, we're going to, man, for the rest of the time of the Father's house, a healthy home for the city is what the Lord said. And a healthy home looks like Christians walking in freedom. So we're going after this with everything we had. Why? Because it's the word of the Lord. Freedom looks like getting rid of offenses, having forgiveness come in and letting down walls and learning to love unconditionally and learning how to have unity really come back in the church. And then, then we'll see God really begin to really pour out his presence. I'm excited, I'm telling you. This is just a, bare, a foretaste of what we're stepping in now. When you get this room, can, when more of us continue to start walking in freedom and start looking at the enemy's strategies and cutting him off from our lives, we're going to see God really erupt in this place. Man, it's going to be awesome. Some of you are thinking, well, I think he is already. Amen, he sure is. It's going to increase. So much. Look at the first week after our freedom thing we did. One, it was not, actually it was two days. You know? So good. Ecclesiastes 4.12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Isn't that amazing? Two can stand back to back and conquer. When you go through small groups again or freedom groups, whatever it is, at least make one friend. Find one person you can trust, somebody you can have coffee with, somebody you can confide in, somebody. Make one person, at least you, two is better than one. Somebody who will hold you up in prayer. Somebody you can call and say, I'm struggling too. We all need that person and we all need to be that person for one another. Amen. He says here, three are, three are even better. Come on, somebody. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Ecclesiastes 4.11 says, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. Come on, somebody, all the married folks. 
hallelujah. But how can one be warm alone? So how do you get rid of isolation? How do you get rid of that, that thing? You, go, you start pursuing freedom in your life. You start to recognize maybe this morning that the enemy is trying to get that roaring lion. He has a strategy against your life and we're not going to let him win any longer. We're going to start to kick him out of our houses, off our TVs, off our phones, off our families. We're going to say, no, if it's from the devil, it's not allowed in my house. Right, let me say it like this. If it's from the devil, it's not allowed in my heart. Because yeah, we can be so religious about not watching certain shows, but then allowing other stuff into our hearts. Well, my kids, they ain't going to watch that. But the whole time you're offended by everything, you're critical about everything, you're judging everything. It's, it's, it's upside down. It's upside down. It's ineffective. Religion in and of itself, rules and do's and don'ts will just push people away. They have to see that you love like Jesus. Maturity is measured by your love. And that love has to be unconditional. Otherwise, you're, listen, you're going to be disappointed. Your wife is going to disappoint you. Your kids are going to disappoint you. Forever. Parent, or kids, your parents, they're going to offend you. But you have an opportunity of what you do with that offense. I'm going to keep loving them. I'm not going to turn my love off. There's a book by Danny Silk called Keep Your Love On. I encourage everyone to read it. Philippians 2.13. So here's some scriptures of why you shouldn't isolate. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Philippians 2, 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Let's just read that again. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. You want to know how to live in freedom and really in peace and joy? Don't make anything about you. Yeah. And it's quiet in there. I'm telling you how to get you out of isolation. You say, no, 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 my life belongs to the Lord and I'm just going to use my life as an offering to serve others. But it says, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. If you want to play the victim card, you will constantly just put yourself and like, why me, poor me, why, why am I not here? Why am I not getting treated? Why does nobody talk to me? Da, 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 da. Instead of taking the low seat and just serving other people, making sure no one around the room is not getting talked to. If you feel that burden, like, well, no one talked to me today, then you'd be the person. You make sure that not one person ever steps on this property that looks alone, doesn't have at least one person go up to them and say hello. Amen. That's the, the, the people of God are called to have prophetic solutions, not just, not just be prophetic people that just see issues and problems. Yeah. We have solutions to things. That's what I've been telling Matt. Like, oh, inflation's coming. Oh, everything's rising. Oh, it's probably here, actually, if we go to say. Everything is going up. Oh, food, food shortages, da-da-da-da-da. And all I hear is the plans of the enemy. And I'm saying, hey, you know what? That's cool and all, but what is God's solutions? God has solutions to every single problem. Everything. And it's not just get people to church. I was thinking, man, we got a 14 acres of land. We can start growing potatoes out here. Listen, y'all think I'm playing. <laughs> Listen, y'all think I'm playing. We will have a father's house, the father's garden in this place. We got plenty of land. I'm going to tell you about how much I know about gardening, about this much. <laughs> but I'm not just looking at everything from a critical standpoint and all oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. No. <laughs> God is here. His church is still here. And the gates of hell will not prevail. God has solutions. God has people in every place. And God is still beginning to work and move.
Stop letting everything get you scared and get you offended and get you worrying about things and start to rise up in hope and in faith. I have hope. Listen, I already got a little garden at our house. Maddie's really got the garden. I'm over here picking weeds. I don't know what we're doing. I'm over here Googling stuff. I'm watching YouTube videos. Why? Because I don't want to sit here and just talk about the problems without the answer. The answer to isolation is to come out and serve. Give of yourself. Be lowly. Be humble. Take the low seat. Take the lowest seat. And God will exalt you. Romans 8, 15, 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. We need to take care of one another. Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carrying somebody's burdens is as simple as just knowing what they're going through, praying for them, encouraging them. Hey, man, I'm thinking about you. I love you. Just a phone call. I mean, this stuff is just not, it's not difficult to do. And the more that we create, you know, the Bible says that the pastor's job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It is all of our jobs to be ministers to one another. You know why the churches and people feel so lonely and so isolated? Because they, they only think the pastor is the only one that can encourage them, pray for them, help them. And it's not supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be that you become the body of Christ and you're helping one another. You're carrying one of those burdens and you cannot do that if you're isolating. Yeah, that's right. Get involved in small groups. Get involved in freedom stuff. Start to kick the devil out of your life. And watch what he'll do with your life. Watch what he'll do with your family. And watch what he'll do with this church. Yes. Hebrews 10, 13, or excuse me, 13, 1 and 2. The worship team, could you come? Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. Keep on loving. What's it saying? Don't turn your love off. Don't turn it off. Don't get offended and turn it off. Don't be critical and turn it off. Keep it on. Jesus is not turning off his love and affection towards me when I'm an idiot. Praise God. (laughs) Ain't that right, gentlemen? Isn't Isn't that awesome? It is truly amazing grace. His mercies are truly new every morning. Come on, somebody, shout. John Bevere does say this in his book. It's really, really good. He says, could you stand? Our prayer team could come. Thank you, Lord. Let me say this quote to you real quick. We'll be done, guys. John Bevere says this, if we don't risk being hurt, some of you really need to hear this. If you don't risk being hurt, we cannot give unconditional love. Can we just be honest, though? That's pretty scary. Especially for a lot of people you've been hurt a whole lot. I get it. But what if there's something supernatural that can happen when you start to unconditionally love people and stuff begins to just fall off of you? Offenses begin to fall off of you. Past hurts and pains begin to fall off of you because we're stepping in unconditional love. I know this might, be the most, this might not be the most shouting message today. But I don't want you to be unaware of what the enemy is trying to do in your life. And one of those things is that that offense to come in, that criticalness coming in, picking apart anything and everything. If it's from the enemy, church, we do not want it. Amen? Amen. Amen. So here we go. John Bevere also says in his book, physical growth 
is a function of time. No two-year-old child has ever been six feet tall. That'd be really weird, right? Intellectual growth is a function of learning. You know, if you want to know more about the Bible, you just got to study it. There, go get you. If you want to know more about the Bible, know more about God himself, do the New Believer's Handbook. Humble yourself. You're like, well, I'm not a New Believer. Just do it. Do it anyways. Grab the purple book. Grab any of the resources we have and start to say, man, I'm just, I just want to be humble. God, I want more of you. Whatever it is, I want more. And he goes on to say, intellectual growth is, is a function of learning. Spiritual growth, pay attention, watch this. Spiritual growth is neither a function of time or learning, but is a function of obedience. Let me say it again. Just because you go to Bible school, just because you've been walking with the Lord for 40 years, does not necessarily mean you're spiritually mature. Spiritual maturity comes from obedience. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm excited about some of the young people in our church. I'm excited about Nathan Ash being 22 years old and on fire for Jesus. I'm like, man, I pray, not, man, my goodness. Nathan, Jesus said, the things I've done, you will do greater things. I pray that your ministry will exceed everything. I pray that my ceiling will be your floor. I pray that God would just bless you abundantly, that the favor of God would fall on you and God would use you so much in your life. And I pray, and it's what an honor it is to be a pastor to you in this season. I'm so excited for you, brother. So excited. Thank you, Lord. Man. Don't be unaware of the tactics of the enemy. Don't be unaware of the jealousy and things that he wants to do to try to get you mad at someone. Don't be unaware and let obedience be your only option. What did Jesus say? I only do and I only say what I see and do the, see the Father doing and saying. He had one thing. He had his mind made up. My only option is obedience. So I'm offended. My only option is obedience. Why? Because I've surrendered my life to Jesus. My only option is obedience. I'm being critical. My only option is obedience. Lord, forgive me. Get this out of my heart. My only option is obedience. Can we lift our hands in this place? Holy Spirit, we honor you. Come on, just in your own way. If you just need to repent and say, man, God, just forgive me. For taking offense. me to walk in freedom. Come on, Jesus. Can we say this? Say, say, help me. Come on, everybody. Help me to not turn off my love. <laughs> help me to be obedient. Help me to love unconditionally. Just like you, Jesus. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, would you come and just seal in people's hearts, God, the ones that are here that receive from you today, Father. Lord, I thank you that your word does not return void, that it does go out and it does bear fruit and it will not come back to you without accomplishing what you've called it to do. Lord, I thank you that you're, you're set another brick this morning of what you're building in this house, Jesus, for futures and generations to come. Bless your people. We honor you today, Jesus. In Jesus' name, with every eyes closed for just a moment. If you're here today and you need to give your life to Jesus, 
if you need to be saved, if you need to give, repent of your sins and give your heart to Him, if you need to say, man, I need to give my life to Him. I believe I'm a sinner. I'm in need of His forgiveness. I'm in need of His grace. Would you just lift your hand right where you are? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And if you have your hand raised, I want you to pray this with me right now. But after that, even more importantly, I want you to come down to the altar and we want to pray with you and make sure we get connected with you and we want to follow up with you. So if you have your hand raised, would you pray? I'm just going to tell you, one of the reasons why I don't have everyone pray, because not everyone in this room needs to be born again. I was quiet in here. Right? Not everyone in this room needs to be born again. So if you have your hands raised, would you pray this out? And you might just be a few of you, but pray it with boldness. Pray it from your heart. Would you just say this? Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose from the grave. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. And from this day forward, I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Come on, church. Hallelujah. Put your hands together this morning. Thank you, Lord. Hey, and if that was you, I know there was about four or five of you. If that was you, please come down for prayer. If you need healing in your body, if you just want somebody to pray with you about anything at all, or if you just want to come spend some time at the altars, uh, please come before you go. We'd love to connect with you. Bless you guys. Bless your families. Bless your kids. Have an awesome week. We love you. Have a good week. Jesus.